All right, you guys are so nice. This is exciting. The last two weekends, I have been speaking at different Asian churches. So I was out in Portland, Oregon at a Hmong church. And yeah, right? That's so good. Nuajong, uh, that's all I have uh, in that language. Um, and then last weekend, I was in Detroit speaking to a Chinese church. And what I love about all, and they've all adopted me, and I now have a Hmong name, and I have a Chinese name, and it's beautiful. But the thing about speaking to Asian churches is that they have a party going on in the inside, but on the outside, they look a little bit like they want to kill you. And so the whole time, they're like... Now, I spoke for two days over the weekend. I wanted to kill myself towards the end. I'm like, somebody be excited. So I'm really glad that you guys are excited. And the great thing is then I get emails from people. Oh, that, that spoke to me so much. I don't know if you noticed me crying. No, I didn't. I thought you were bored. So I'm so excited to be back with you guys. Um, I am losing my voice a little. So if it cracks like a 13-year-old boy, um, you're welcome. So we'll just go with it. Um, so glad to be back. I brought kind of an entourage, not on purpose, but we have a children's disciple-making leadership certificate that uh, our office has developed, and it's available in English and Spanish, and our Spanish leadership team is with me today, and they're going to be in the coffee shop speaking all the Spanish and doing some revisions and all sorts of things on the program. So we have Leo from Puerto Rico, and Sarah came in from Pennsylvania, and then my husband just came from Iowa. So, um, But if you see them talking Spanish, that's great. If I'm sitting there, please know I don't understand what they're saying, so feel free to come by and talk to me, okay? I would love that, actually. So I am excited to be here. And I'm excited for what God has to say to us this morning. Um, It's been a busy week for me. And in fact, I was praying uh, about this and I was laying in bed and I was praying and I just felt like God said, hey, I got it. So I was like, great, great. So then I'm on the plane last night. I'm like, well, I know you have it, but do you want to give me, you know, something (laughs) like some notes or something? And so on the plane, I, I put a few notes together and I just feel like God has a message for you. And I remember sitting where you were sitting. In fact, I was sitting um, there and thinking, I remember the best part of sitting on the bleachers was my best friend, Anne-Marie, who would sit behind me and give me back rubs during chapel. Do any of you have that person? That I see that. <laughs> yeah. Or the person that had the big knees, like not ugly knees, just big and firm you could lean back on. <laughs> Those were good people. But I remember sitting there, and what we're talking about today is freedom. And I used to think that freedom meant Like it's this one-time moment. Like, Lord, I'm free, finally. I also used to think that freedom meant that God would take me out of the story I didn't like and put me into a different story. And I've come to realize that it looks really different than that. And I don't know about you guys, but so I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a really fairly healthy home. I mean, we still have issues, but pretty healthy. And yet I still lived with all these labels that I gave myself. So I want you to see if you relate to any of these. One of my labels was that I was too much. Too much. I was always bothering people. (laughs) I see it as a leadership skill now, but um, at the time, (laughs) it was not everyone's favorite. So I just felt like I was really bossy and directive, and I had a lot of questions. And I would walk into the room, even at age six, and I'd put everyone into order. Like, okay, come on, let's work together. And that's so cute at age six, but it's actually really annoying. And I felt like I just annoyed people. 
In fact, I remember being a crown student working in admissions and walking into the president, and the president is here today. I'm so honored. It's about time you come to a chapel that I speak at. Thank you. Oh, we have been fighting about <laughs> We've been fighting about this for years, so he's never here when I'm here. And I remember walking into the president at the Times office and just sitting down and going, here's some things you need to do to help the college grow. And now I look back and think, that was pretty inappropriate. Um, but it was a leadership skill. But I remember telling him, we need a nursing program, <laughs> right? And I remember I went through all of these things. And I, I look back and I just always felt like I was too much. My gifting always seemed like it was too much. In fact, I even thought for a long time, like, maybe God, maybe I was supposed to be a man, not because I was gender confused, but because I thought my gifting and skills are more for a man than for a woman. And so I really, I just felt that. How many of you have ever felt like maybe God sneezed when he was creating you? Have you ever thought that? Like on the assembly line, God's like, achoo, oh, well, we got to keep the line moving. She'll work it out along, along the way. I did, I felt that way. <laughs> like maybe God nodded off for just a moment. And so I felt like I'm just too much for everyone. I scare people, I come on too strong, whatever, it was too much. In the midst of that, one of my other labels was that I was not enough. Because when you're too much, even though you're too much, you're still not measuring up to what you think people want. You know what I mean? People who want a certain thing. And I remember being a student at Crown and thinking I would get married, and that did not happen. So um, that is a lie, the spring by ring or ring by spring thing. So I did not walk to the sign until last year. So <laughs> seriously, it's really sad. Um, but really good, because I love my husband. We've been married seven and a half months, and we still like each other. Yeah. Yeah. We still like each other a lot. But I remember thinking, I'm, something's wrong with me. I'm just not enough. None of these guys like me. Like they liked me, but the guys that were attracted to me or like actually would ask me out were the weird ones. You know, like, and it's because I was so nice. Now you can't say preach because somebody might be sitting next to you. That's weird, okay? So you just <laughs> casually text me or something. Oh, now there's pointing. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so... Uh, awkward. But I just, I just remember thinking, I feel like I'm high quality and you haven't brushed your teeth this year. Like, I mean, really, I just thought this, it doesn't make sense. So I felt like something was wrong with me. Like God didn't make me the right way. I wasn't thin enough. I wasn't quiet enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't enough. I also thought I was useless. I knew I could do things, right? Like I knew I had things I could do. But I thought I was useless, and a lot of you know my story. In 2008, I led a mission trip to Thailand and picked up a rare bacterial infection that slowly began to kill me. Which I'm not dying anymore, so good. Um, just so you know, some people get really nervous, and then they just watch me the whole time. Like, I'm going to die right here. And I thought, no, hopefully not. I, don't, I feel good. I feel good. Um, <laughs> but I remember getting so sick, and I got to the point where I really couldn't function. And I was a children's pastor at the time, and, and I couldn't do my job well. And I remember one time, my sister called me, and she said, what are you doing? And I yelled at her, and I said, I'm not doing anything, because I can't do anything, because I'm useless. And I said, have you ever had something come out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, there it is, that was not good. That was, whoa. Like, I remember seeing it, and I was like, oh, I think I might have an issue I need to deal with personally. 
And my sister was like, yeah, I think you should talk to mom. So that's as far as that went. But I remember thinking that, and then I found a year later, I found out I was severely deformed in both knees. And I found out that I would probably be in a wheelchair at a really early age. And I've had five surgeries. I have another surgery coming up in less than three weeks. And it's a knee replacement. It'll put me out and down for probably about three months. And I remember thinking, I I am nothing. (laughs) I can't do anything. I'm useless. I'm useless. Because all I knew that actually mattered was that I could do things. And so when I couldn't do anything, I thought I was useless. My last label I had was that I was broken. I was broken. Something God made me wrong. And I would talk to kids about how God's made you fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to me. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why I'm like this. But I felt like I was broken. And actually I was. But it was a great spot to come into. And so this idea of freedom to me, to me meant that I would pray and God would say, Mel, let me write you a different story. Let me pluck you out of this and put you somewhere else. And I've come to realize, you guys, that the Christian life takes work. Okay, and this should not be a new thing to hear but it takes work and I get a little afraid when we come and we want it always to be about a feeling. Like I wanna feel good. God, please would you just speak to me so I could feel something. And the Christian life is not founded on feelings because if it were, then it would change with the burritos you eat, okay? It would change with the the day and that's not the God we serve because in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever, he doesn't change. So this idea of freedom to me, I thought would be a feeling like I finally feel free. And then I began to realize that it takes work. And what I knew was true, but something about knowing it but not believing it was missing for me. And I don't know where you guys are at. I would encourage you, if you want to pull out your phones to take a few notes, I'm going to give you some scripture. Because, you know, I can tell a good story and whatever, but if I don't pull in scripture, you should have skipped chapel today. Because this is where we go for truth. And so God really began to convict my heart. And it happened when I was really very sick. I was, all of my major organs were shutting down. I was wearing a halter monitor that was checking on my heart. I was eating soup because it was the only thing I could eat. I couldn't stand up. In fact, I remember trying to build up to walking around the block again. And I would walk, you know, like fourth of the way. And my best friend would come and get me, pick me up in the car and drive me home. And then I would need a nap. And the next day I'd go like a little further and she'd pick me up and drive. So I was so sick. And I remember asking God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And what was really cool is when your faith isn't built just on feelings, when your feelings suck, (laughs) when life is horrible, you go back to what you know to be true and you go back to God's word. And I kept claiming Jeremiah 29, 11. Sometimes I felt like I was reminding God, just a reminder, you said plans to prosper me, not to harm me. Just a reminder. But I kept claiming it, like, okay, God. And then I was claiming in Isaiah where it says that God will make rivers in the wasteland. And I was like, God, I'm living in the wasteland. Will you bring a river? And I kept waiting. But God is found in the waiting. And so I began to do some really intentional things. And I I talk to students all the time. I'm always speaking at a college because I think you guys are great. I love you. I love your leadership abilities. I love who you are because you are who you are. 
and, and you're a mess, right? We're all a mess. And I love that you're just who you are, and I believe God has his hand on you. So I get so excited about what God's doing in and through you. But I get people all the time your age saying to me, I just, I can't get out of this. I can't get out of this. And what I had to come to realize that, what I should have known all along, that the enemy likes to lie to us. And I began to realize that these labels I had given myself, that I'm too much, I'm not enough, I'm useless, I'm broken, guess what? Those were not from God. Those were not from God. And in fact, God desired to give me different labels. But it takes work. And so I began to go through the word. And I actually did this, and I would encourage you to do this, okay? So if this is something you're going, she is speaking the message for me today. And you know you've got dumb messages going through your head. And you can name them. And you might not even be able to name them all. But what I want you to do is I want you to make a list of them. And for me, I made my list. You're too much. You're not enough. You're broken. You're useless. And I made that list, and then I opened Scripture, and I began to put truth next to those labels. And I began to say, okay, this is not true. Here's what is true. And I did this intentionally. And here's the deal. The Christian life is intentional. If you really want Jesus... If you really want the Holy Spirit to work through you, it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just, okay, Lord, great, and then you never think about it again. It's intentional. That's why we're supposed to be in the Word. That's why we come and we worship the Lord. And we hear from speakers who challenge us. But it takes work and it's intentional. So I intentionally made this list. Here are the lies. Here are the truth. And guess what? It was really good for that day. I was like, I have defeated it. Praise the Lord. Then I woke up the next day, and guess what, what happened? The same lies were going through my head again, again and again. And I began to realize I had to do this daily, daily. I had to refute it. I really believed that my worth was only tied up in what I could accomplish. I'm an overachiever. And I'm, I am a gifted leader, so I can actually get a lot done. But I thought that's where my worth was tied up. And at my broken point, I realized that I still had worth even though I couldn't do anything. And it didn't make sense in my head. But I had to go, okay, wait a minute. What do I know to be true? And so I wrote down truth next to it. And to this day, I still have to do that. The lie will come into my head and I have to go, no, here's what the truth is. And I've done it over and over until my mantra has become my anthem. Until I have to do it and do it and pretty soon you begin to own it. And so I love who God has created me to be now. That doesn't mean I, I don't still struggle. That doesn't mean I don't still have those lies come into my head. And what's really annoying is the devil is crafty. So he comes up with new lies. And I'm like, well, that's unfortunate. This, I still have to work. Shouldn't I be done by now? Have you ever felt that way? <laughs> or you're like, God, we dealt with that two years ago. I think I'm good. <laughs> nope. It comes back. So let me give you some scripture. Freedom doesn't always mean, this is not scripture, this is me. Um, it doesn't mean God takes us out of the story that we don't like, but it does mean that he gives us a new purpose in the story that we're living. It, your story may not change. Now, those of you who are purposely living in bondage, who know you're in a relationship you shouldn't be in, or who, are, who know you're looking at things you shouldn't be looking at, or who know you're doing things that don't give God honor, then you gotta, you gotta do some work. You gotta start changing that. But for those of you, maybe you're like me. 
You love Jesus, but you can't get out of this cycle of just ick. It doesn't mean God's going to pluck you from your story. It means, though, that he will give you new purpose in the midst of your story. John 8, 36 says, if the sun sets you free, you are free what? Indeed, you're free indeed. How many of us live in bondage and can quote that verse? I did. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. I remember being like, that is so awesome. How sweet. <laughs> it's great for people. And I realized I wasn't living it. I could preach it. That's even scarier. Someone who can preach it but isn't living it. I could preach it, but I wasn't living it. Galatians 5.13, you were called to be free. You were called to be free. Isaiah 43.1, I have called you by name. You are mine. Philippians 3.12, I forget what is behind and I reach forward to the things that are ahead. Freedom. I'm leaving it behind and I'm going forward. Isaiah 61, God creates beauty out of ashes. It's one of my favorite verses. I love that we serve a God who takes the ashes in our life and says, I have beauty to give you. I love that he does that for us. And you know what that is? Freedom actually usually comes at the point of surrender. We want it to be a mountaintop experience, but actually for me, it was the bottom of the pit experience where I was as low as I could go and I saw, I reached up and I'm like, okay, I'm going. I want this. And God said, hey, I'm going to write a new story that comes out of your story, and it's going to be beautiful. This summer, we, I was talking to kids at camps all over, and just basic truth. And I want to tell you guys this. I am pursued by God, and I can never outrun his love. There are times I've thought that maybe, maybe I can get away from God. Have you ever wanted to get away from God? I have. As a kid, I remember hearing, God sees you all the time. And I distinctly remembered one time being in the shower naked and going, oh, no. <laughs> Have you ever thought, you thought that? Like, oh, I know I'm not alone in this, okay? But we can't get away from God. And what I love about the God we serve is that he pursues us whether we want him to or not. He's after you. He desires you. He wants you. This idea of freedom means that we surrender. It means that we come to God and go, God, I want your labels over my life. And I changed a lot of my labels and I changed it to uh, that I'm valued. God made no mistakes when he made me. He didn't sneeze. I can joke about it, but I believe it. He didn't sneeze. He made me, Psalm 139, the lovely lady standing here had that on her shirt. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, just the way you are. Also, side note, I think whenever we dislike who we are, we're telling God he did a bad job on us. And in Genesis 1.27, we know that we're created in the image of God. So we're actually not only telling God you did a bad job on us, but you did a bad job on yourself. And that should make you nervous. Not that God's going to zap you. I hope not, because we're all very close right in here could be bad. But God made no mistakes. God made no mistakes when he made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And in Psalm 139, it says, I know that full well. Do you know it full well? I changed and I said, I have purpose now. I'm not useless. I have a purpose. I'm pursued by God. 
And what I found in the freedom is the ability and the freedom to embrace who God made me to be. And that doesn't mean that it's always easy. And that doesn't mean that everyone always loves who I am. But I serve an audience of one. I only care what God thinks of who I am. Kids are the greatest at helping us understand who God is because they, are just, they just love God. And when a kid encounters Christ, nothing can really sway them from that. They, they got it, they go. How many of you found Jesus at, as a kid, like under the age of 12? Raise your hand. Yeah, number of you. And what happens with kids that's so cool is they encounter God and they are on fire. And they don't have all of the weird walls that we put up. Like, oh, what if they don't like me? I don't know. Maybe that was God and maybe it wasn't because I'm not sure who was talking right then. Like, I don't really know. Kids are like, I'm doing it. I remember age seven, I was at Door County, Wisconsin, and I had a really burning desire for people to know Jesus. That's great, right? How sweet is that? So I went to this girl on the playground. Her name was Sarah. And I said, Sarah, do you know God? And she goes, what? I said, well, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, I am? I'm like, yeah, it's very sad. You... You don't want to do that. I think we should pray. Come on. I led her to the Lord. I don't even think I led her. I think I pushed her a little and maybe like kicked her to be like, okay. So then I marched her into our campsite. My parents are there and my sister is I'm like, Sarah has come to know the Lord today. <laughs> okay, that's a weird seven-year-old, okay? But this is what kids do. They go, this is what God has told me to do and I'm going to do it. Freedom means that we go to God's word and we do what it says. Not only that, we intentionally dive into it. If you're struggling with freedom today, but you are not saturating yourself in God's words, I don't want to hear about it. I don't. And that's not a lack of compassion, although I just did a spiritual gift test and I didn't register on that one at all. Um, so that's sad. Uh, my husband has it. That's his number one. So last night I was kind of being mean and I just said, hey, it's not a spiritual gift. Don't try to change me. I am who I am. Sorry. But I'm not trying to be not compassionate, but I am telling you, don't be a lazy Christian. Don't be a fat Christian who sits there and just eats all the food and doesn't do anything with it. You, gotta, you, you take this in. And then you go, what does this mean for me? God, what do you have to say to me? What do you have? I'm going to end with Isaiah. Hopefully, if I can find where I want to go, we'll end there. Isaiah 55 is one of my favorite chapters. I really, I love the Old Testament because I, lo I love Jesus. I love the New Testament. But I love the lament that comes in the Old Testament. And I'm learning more and more it's okay to lament. It's okay not to like your life all the time. It's okay not to love every single moment. Have you met those people that you just want to trip a little as they're walking? Everything's great. This is the day the Lord has made. Blessed everyone. I want to be like, come here, Judy. Come here. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm, they make me so mad. I'm like, be real. So I'm learning it's okay not to be okay every day. And you know what? That's where freedom comes in. Because freedom says, I can be me. I can be me. Isaiah 55 talks about verse 8, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, neither are my ways like your ways. And it goes on, and this, these are the verses I claimed. 
in my brokenness. It says, um, verse 12 and 13, you will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. What's really, really, really cool, when we live in freedom, it points to God. It shows God in our story. And I love that I can stand before you today and talk about the labels that I gave myself, the lack of freedom that I lived in, the mess that I was in. But here's the really cool part. God has taken that and said, hey, I got new things springing up out of that. There's no mess that you are in that God cannot meet you. There's no choice that you make that God will turn his back on you. Your story is never too small or too big that God doesn't desire to redeem it. But it takes work as well. So my challenge to you guys, and I'll be honest, I need some of you. I need some of you to come take the torch. I do. I'm leading the way for women in our denomination. If you're a woman sitting here wondering if there's a spot for you, yes, there is. But I am trailblazing for you, and it gets tiring sometimes. I need more of you to join me. Guys, we need more of you to live in freedom, to walk in integrity, to seek God, to do the unpopular, and to follow him full out. Your entire year will look different if you begin to walk in freedom. But I'm not going to pray one prayer and then go, you're free. Yes, you will be free to go to class in just a moment. But it takes work. And what I would love to see you do is spend some time this week would you do that and really seek, your, seek God's heart and like look in and go, what do I believe that is not true? And then would you go to the word and would you begin to combat it? Because this is where it happens. And then it's a mantra and you say it over and over and over again and then it turns into your anthem. And that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm broken. I'm a mess. But my God is big. And I hope you saw God in my story today. And that's the beauty of freedom. Let's pray. God, you're good. Oh, my goodness. You're so good. I love how you take people, the least of these, Lord. I'm the least of these that you would use me. And you say, I have a story for you. God, I love that when we are free, when we surrender to you, you do things far and above anything we could imagine. So, God, I pray for each one in this room, Lord. Will you meet them where they're at. God, would you convict them? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you convict? Because God, we want to live for you. Jesus, I pray for Crown College that out of this community would spring our leaders and our theologians and our pastors and our nurses and our business people who love you out loud and who change the world. But it first starts with us coming to you and walking in freedom. So God, we come to you and we surrender. Would you do the work, continuing work in our lives?